0: You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as my other show, Enthusiasts, previously called How to Stand, visit 17 Com, and sign up for the show's free newsletter for interviews and much more at 17 Com. Thank you! Hi everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Yes, I know, I said I was taking a week off. But you know me and my enthusiasm for the yearly SM Town Show. So I have to share with you my quick reactions, initial thoughts, all things SM Town New Year's Eve show. Then after this episode, I'll probably take a week long break. But I have to put this out there right away. So much to say about the show pros and cons. 17 things total, 7 things I loved, 7 things I certainly did not, and 3 that are a mix of both. Good and bad to them. Let's just dive into it. SM Time Concert Pro Number 1. The ethos behind the show. I love their be humble, be kind, be the love catchphrase. I think it's so sweet and such a great way to live. Be humble, be kind, be the love. So I love that they brought that up again. Also, of course, the opportunity they took at the beginning of the show that this year, instead of just promoting their artists as much as possible, playing a music video marathon in the lead up, this year, they had a pre-show directing your attention towards the climate crisis and promoting new sustainability goals for the company. So I thought that was a very cool way to utilize an attentive audience for a better, not self promotional goal. Although it certainly was self-promotional in a PR sense, we will get into that. I actually have many complex thoughts about their new reputation crafting, but we will get there. Let's go to highlight number two the length of this show. As it is every year, so jam-packed. Classic songs, brand new songs, new remixes, new collaborations, from different generations of K-pop, different musical eras, different genres, different styles. This was so many mini-concerts in one huge show, which boasted well over 50 songs. It was nearly four hours long, and a great way to ring in the new year. And sorry to non-USA viewers, but I personally love the fact they do this every year so that it corresponds with the time it switches over into a new year when the clock strikes midnight. I love that they correspond that with the US audience's experience. Sorry, I personally do. Maybe in the future they could stream it differently for different time zones so we can all revel in ringing in the actual new year with them. But I digress. How long the show was, was a delight. Just one surprise after another. Number three. I love how this year, so many vocals got the spotlight. I love a big stage production as much as the next K-pop fan, which is a ton, but it was really cool to see the spotlight on so many powerful, beautiful vocalists. I didn't realize how much Chen Son, last seen, really is so striking and beautiful, and I just remembered how good his voice is and how much I'd missed it with this live performance. Felt that same way about suho's performance of let's love although actually it was a great night for suho biased xols with him chiming in on an xosc song with let's love XO. of course with the first snow i forgot how much i missed a semi-full exo reunion more than like two of them and to see them all back together after in k-pop years in eternity was such a treat and their voices as beautiful as ever The collaboration stages were really cool, too, and a cool not-passing-of-the-torch opportunity, more of just a celebration of SM Entertainment's artists of the past, present, and future. Like seeing Taeyeon next to Winter for Priority, or seeing Boa next to Ningning for Time After Time in Wendy. It was very, just cool, unexpected combinations of stunning vocalists. Highlight number four, going off of that, the unique collaboration stages really enjoyed seeing new combinations and members together their new types of chemistry this show also doubled as a great ad for the new SM Town Winter album because they performed over half the songs from it or otherwise incorporated them in the show so you heard almost the full album whether it was because of a music video screening or a live performance so with the busy holiday season if you had not made time yet to check out the collaborative album of SM artists or just didn't know if you frankly should, yes, this show proved it's a must-listen. Highlight number four, the fashion. For the most part, there's some looks I didn't care for, but the fashion A game was brought. Highlight number six, the annual tradition of closing out the night with a new version of the Hope from Kwanya music video. Calling their son Hope and starting off every new year for me with the tribute to the word Hope and sending the word Hope singing about hope. I mean, there is no better way every year for them to ring in the new year. Excellent and touching shout out. Love seeing my favorite artists sing about hope every year. But me being biased aside, it really is always just a cute, very Disney-esque, wholesome moment to end the show with that video where they're all just singing and getting along together. I'm such a sucker for those moments. I was such a Disney Channel kid. The Disney Channel kid to SM Entertainment, SM Town pipeline is real. Highlight number seven, some format changes this year. In previous years, I've been frankly annoyed by the clunky transitions. Last year, they had kind of like an award show vibe where they have people kind of riff off each other before introducing the next act. It's frankly, to me, it always feels like just time filler banter, only kind of funny at best. The clunky transitions, those little bits, those sketches between performances, they got rid of those for the most part this year, relatively. They felt very drawn out and just disjointed and random last year. Frankly, I just found them annoying. I was like, get to the next song. This year, they kept them much shorter and succinct, and they had the same group introduce them. So rather than feel totally all over the place with different SM artists presenting different performers in their little bits between songs, like last year, this year they kept a consistent group of co-hosts, basically. It just made the show feel a lot less messy. Instead, they just kept Shotaro, Sunshine, incoming NCT members, slash SM rookies. That crew introduced during each of the intermissions and kept it pretty short. Very much appreciated, especially because with a show this late in the night, to keep your interest, it's smart to just cut out the excess. So the highlights were the ethos of the night, the Hope from Kwanya video that closed out the night, the length of the show, the quicker, less disorganized, and seemingly random transitions, the fashion, the highlighting of immense vocal talent, giving many star vocalists due shine, and the unique collaborative stages. Now for things I did not like about the show. And the first one is also a format issue for me. From an SM Entertainment slash marketing perspective, it makes all the sense in the world why they chose to keep the set list order so random so you never knew which artist, which song was going to be next, how many more times your favorite would return for another song. The order was so freaking random. It was not like, we're done with the NCT portion of the evening. Nope, they would pop back up after Red Velvet again, or after EXO again, etc. So to keep viewers watching and make sure non-multi-fandom people don't just turn off the stream as soon as they know that their fave is done, it totally makes sense why they don't tell you how many songs E-Jack gets and how many times they'll be back from a viewer perspective it's quite annoying that every year they do this where i have no sense of time so i start out the year feeling quite discombobulated like what time is it what day is it what year is it and who's performing when there's no sense of structure And if I can barely keep my eyes open, I don't know if I should be okay just falling asleep or no, I'm going to miss one of my favorites again. I don't know what I'm waiting for. The viewing experience would be more exciting for me if we got more of a hint at who is performing when in the show and how many times. Con number two, missed opportunities. This was also an issue for me last year, where they have this big audience from a bunch of different fandoms rooting for different artists across generations of K-pop fans. It's a big attention-grabbing moment, and of course, just with the start of the new year, it's fitting to make it a big celebratory, surprise-filled occasion. Every year, to me, they seem to kind of just underwhelm me with their announcements. It would have been the perfect opportunity to preview the year ahead and give more concrete reveals. This year, our teaser was a ridiculously short and vague Super M promo for their comeback. Basically just proof that it's coming. As well as a repeated ad for a physical pop-up experience related to Kwanya coming to LA this year. And a look at the pop-up experience set up in Asia that they'll recreate in LA. So as much as those details were exciting, that was pretty much it. There was no big specific comeback reveal. Collab, tour news, maybe a little sneak peek at one of their 2023 docuseries in the works for NCT Super Junior. They could have just done more with the enthusiasm of the night. It also would have been nice to have a surprise special guest. Con number three. My issues with their new sustainability ethos, which again I will get to later in the show. Con number four, just missing people. I always miss people at these shows. Baekhyun and Taemin were especially on my mind this year. Con number five, the lack of ending fairies. The ending fairies were not there this year. They really didn't have close-ups, cute special moments, igio, any of that right after a performance ended. They started to finally a bit with yours at the end of that performance. They each got kind of a close-up, but they really didn't do much of that. Con number six goes back to more just stylistic issues I had with the show. It was so much fun to watch, but just from a critic perspective, this show was kind of messy, and the phases were kind of arbitrary. Like certain parts of the night, they said, okay, this is labeled the crystal part of the night, or the majestic part of the night, or something like that. The cosmic part of the night. Putting the performances into categories. But those labels seem so random and broad. The applicability was just kind of pointless to me. That was unnecessary. Again, I'm just about, let's keep the show going. Huge set list here. And we're all here to see, not the in-between stuff. We're here to watch the actual stages. So the cons, the random set list order, not knowing at all how to keep time in the show, know how much was left, missed opportunities for a big announcement, the issues with their new sustainability self-image, the people who were missed, the lack of ending fairies, the pointless labeling of different segments of the show, and lastly, the ad for KB Banking. That just sort of bugged me because basically they advertised the partnership between SM and this bank. And the bank cute animated mascot characters are visiting the SM town world. That's the premise. And so the cute bank characters are participating in the candy NCT Dream TikTok Ready Dance Challenge. And now it's rebranded the KB Banking Challenge. And to me, super overt merging of product placement and just fun, silly dance challenges. Not a fan of that. I would rather the advertisement not be combined with the just moments of cute levity online. I understand the irony in that because technically, if you want to get cynical, all TikTok dance challenges are ads. They're promo for those songs. But I prefer to think of them as just more frivolous fun as opposed to flat-out product placement. I don't know. I just have an issue with that. For me, it's the Candy Challenge, and I'm not renaming it after a sponsor. So overall this year, the pros were the actual just substance of each performance. Really well done. So many top-tier artists from this company. And the cons revolve more around format and style choices of the night how each performance was put together, the end result. So each individual performance, thumbs up for me, putting them all together could have been better. As for the three things, I cite as both pros and cons about how the night unfolded. I will admit the lack of transitions has its pros and cons, because time did flow by They kept the show at a very quick pace with the lack of intermediary acting segments. But I also do love a dramatic intro. I wanted more of what I saw after Key reminded us of that during the show. Midway during the show, it's like, oh, it feels like the show's starting again because he had this grand entrance precipitated by this dramatic pose-filled intro video really channeling his gasoline music video character. So he really tried to create an immersive performance with a suspenseful build-up mid-show. He had a grand introduction despite being in the middle of the set list. I was quite blown away by Key, and that just raised the bar for the rest of the acts. Like, hey, you guys need a grand intro too. Don't jump right into songs. Maybe we do need some interlude buildups. I also always have qualms about and joy in hearing live audiences. I must admit, I really do love the quiet when listening to live performances in the post-COVID's introduction world. Part of me does always love the sound of fans chanting along, singing along. That big group energy is very cool and infectious. That being said, part of me does love when the audience is just quiet, and I can just take in the show, enjoy who I'm really there to hear perform. I'm not tuning in to hear a bunch of fans sing. I'm tuning in to hear my faves sing. I would say a con is a somewhat unwelcome return of the sound of live audiences, but I also do kind of like that. And it can also get kind of quiet and eerie too without their voices. So yeah, I love and don't love the fans' voices joining in. I have mixed feelings about that for sure. Related to my third point though, I will say I appreciated the way the audience did quiet down for the more vocally strong performances. The more serious vocal-focused numbers the fans kept quiet for it, or the editing process cut out their voices. Either way, it was again a reminder, thank you, I'm not here to listen to you. My third pro and con is the fact this was all edited ahead of time. So each number was quite impressive because they got to do multiple takes. This was not live. It was all pre-recorded. And it's always nice to know my faves pre-recorded something that will air during a holiday so that I can think, oh, that's good. They get the day off. They recorded this in advance. They're not working through this holiday. But... When a show is pre-recorded, it also sometimes makes lip-syncing overtly a little less desirable or seemingly necessary. And it also does kind of take the joy a bit out of the viewing experience of a live show. There's a different level of feeling a part of something special when you know it's live-live. Like they're in that very moment as you watch them performing for you versus knowing you're just watching what they performed previously. It's a different degree of feeling excited and included in a special audience. So yeah, my pros and cons, the sons of the audience, the lack of dramatic buildup, and the pre-recorded status. Here's a brief overview of everything you missed during the SM Town show. Here's your SparkNotes version of everything that went down. After the forum, which again I'm talking about towards the end of the episode. The teaser video before the show was a one minute preview showing different SM Entertainment artists exploring Kwanya, this magical CGI realm, the world of pure imagination I talked about in the episodes called Espa and Kwanya" in Espa and Quanya Volume 2. Those episodes dive into the whole lore, the SMCU, SM Entertainment Cinematic Universe, backstory. Each of the characters were exploring Kwanya in this promo video. And suddenly it clicked with me and I remembered, this is why so many SM Entertainment artists have so much greenery and flowers and other plant and earth symbolism in their music videos. EXO's Tree of Life, plus just the theme of making the impossible possible, magic and whimsy, like with Red Velvet, Aespa with their superpowers... The ability to do seemingly impossible things mixed with the frequent presence of plants, greenhouses, etc. in SM Entertainment content. It all makes sense now. It's probably been a long-term plan to channel this image for the company as this sustainability-promoting, eco-friendly agency. Now, how successful they are at doing that, again, we'll get to it at the end of the show. But I do find it very interesting. I've always wondered why that was the case. Why there were so many in the videos... And now it kind of makes sense. Like, this is actually part of the symbolism here. The point they laid out in the conference, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get back to this. Just know there's more than meets the eye to the symbols in Kwanya teaser content. Between the forum and the official concert starting, they premiered the Cure music video. Very much a We Are The World vibe to it. My main thought, though it was totally beside the point, was yes, Teon and Mark get a switch-off verse. I love when there's a teon Mark, back-and-forth verse, so not the point, but that's what caught my ear most. The show kicked off with NCT Dream performing beatbox and hot sauce. Then Espa rocked these Clueless-esque, preppy, cute looks for girls. Wavy looked great in all-black leather looks for Love Talk and Takeoff. Then when they parted the stage, walking up from the back of the stage were NCT 127. And they brought back Cherry Bomb like it came out yesterday. I was so excited and impressed. Like no time has passed, they knocked the choreography out of the park again. They rocked these camo looks. They brought back the vibe, the aesthetic, the style of Cherry Bomb era NCT. So what a throwback. It was a cool little changing of the guard in reverse moment because it was like the younger subunit Wavy was ushering in the older subunit NCT 127. Insert Wavy turn back time jokes here. I also, just as a Taeon biased person, have to give a shout out to his cute little breakdancing style movement that got him up after he was on the ground. He kind of breakdanced his way up. An ear for detail about what to do on stage then came hot and cold which really showed surprisingly smooth pairings that work well together the dynamics between kai sulgi jeno and karina it also was a cool stage with interesting dynamics that was just made extra fun because of the fuzzy hats i forgot to mention this in my best music videos of the year episodes but one of the trends that's been my favorite in k-pop lately the fuzzy hat trend I'm a big proponent of the fuzzy hat trend. Fuzzy hats for the win. Do not leave that in 2022. After this came proof that SM Entertainment's ads are dangerously catchy, with an instrumental that slapped, frankly, for the physical Kwanya pop-up exhibit advertisement. And then an ad for Kwanya in the form of Su Man Lee being very how-do-you-do-fellow-kids when he turned into a Roblox-looking character. The SM Rookies and newest NCT members introduced the next portion of the show, which had a really cute performance with Red Velvet and Aespa, a visual explosion for Beautiful Christmas, literally, and that's the name of the song. I didn't put this on my list of best performances of the night, though, just because it felt like a missed opportunity. They did not recreate the iconic Mean Girl scene. Suho rocked a very comfy-looking sweater and sounded beautiful for Let's Love, chen again sounded gorgeous for last scene Liyawuk and kenta sang a beautiful rendition of polaris with a live string quartet a massive beautiful team up of sm artists for happier a favorite performance for me of boa wendy and ning ning all in lbds and performing time after time really mature beautiful performance The fun and colors came back for Super Junior Celebrate and NCT Dream's Candy. I have a soft spot for any performance. where an artist, wears the outfit they wore in the teaser content or the music video. It's like a Leo DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, the iconic look is there. I don't know, it's a thing I love. So anyway, NCT Dream did that. But this also I did not put on my best performance list just because missed opportunity. An HOT member could have joined them or there could have been another cool surprise or a cool throwback sound transition like Schumann could show up and do brand new right afterwards. So I would love to just take over and restructure and plan the setlist order next year. SM Entertainment hit me up. Then came the frankly disappointing KB Star Banking Challenge advertisement. But then, one of the best performances of the night, Raised My Spirits Again, Priority. What a beautiful performance from Max Chainman, Taeyeon, and Winter. Then there was Kangta again, With Eyes on You. XOSC, I forgot how much I'd missed until they came back for Fly Away and Rodeo Station, one of my personal favorite B-sides. Mingho, Rock Double Denim, for a performance of Chase. And then came the XO reunion with The First Snow. They called this the crystal phase. I would have renamed this portion of the show the second and third gen appreciation phase. The relatively older SM content phase. The seasoned performers phase. The energy went up for the festival portion of the show. Red Velvet being as cute as ever for Red Flavor in Queendom. Then one of my favorites of the night... And I love that they keep performing this every year. They sing Yours, Chan Yul, Raiden on the guitar for a fun surprise, Winter, and Mark. Mark really brought his own spin to Yours. I love that he does that every year. Last year, it was the UN Village remix of his. It was also the cutest, most whimsical set design with all the bubbles and balloons. And the fun continued into Schumann's brand new performance, Oni's performance of Dice where some very trippy, colorful visuals were behind him. Heo with Deep, rocking a fierce edgy look, and very in sync choreo with her backup team. Zoo, by my fave Taeyeon and friends, <laughs> was great again, and I love that this year they changed it up to add a cool new club-ready dark lighting vibe to it. Like, we got the Night Mode remix of the performance video. Then came a Super Junior tribute show, basically, with rock remixes of Danger and Black Suit, and then they went into classics like Sorry, Sorry, and then the newer Mango. I think my favorite period of the whole show was this next segment. Because in a row, NCT 127 looking so handsome, performing a suited-up version of Kick It, and then transitioning into Sticker. Then there was Key in fancy embellished outfits. With his grand entrance, like I talked about before, Espa made me want to revisit Illusion. I honestly have not been a fan of that song, but they did an impressive job making me think, okay, it deserves a second listen. Maybe it is a bop. They also look cool and dramatic, a twist from the Santa Claus girl and preppy high teen vibes of their previous outfits. Now they're in all black for illusion. Colorful lighting around them, though, just a very interesting vibe shift for them. So NC2127, Key, Espa with illusion, and then Kai with Mm, where he just, he looks so beautiful and was such a great performer as always, with the fluid choreo and that cute outfit with this black lace vest on top of a white button-up. Love it so much. More cool solo numbers with Solgi's 28 Reasons, Taeyeon's I Envy You, and then the adorable black and white dresses for Red Velvet's Feel My Rhythm. Boa was giving Punk Meets Preppy fierceness for Forgive Me, Taeon, my fave, looked incredible, as did everyone else for The Seven Sense, which was a very fun surprise that they resurrected that one of a kind song that has become a fan favorite, deservedly so. There were some throwbacks with TVXQ doing a bit of a medley, Maximum, The Chance of Love, Keep Your Head Down. Bo came back with Better, Wavy Phantom, NCTU, Back with Universe. NCT Dream, Back with Glitch Mode, Espo with Next Level, then NCT 127 with Two Baddies, Red Velvet with Birthday, The Resurgence of Another Incredible Number for Taeyeon Bias People, Baby Don't Stop by NCT U, EXO with Love Shot, Super Junior with Mr. Simple, TVX Key with Morotic, and then Got the Beat with Step Back. Before the night closed, with the beautiful video all about the theme of hope. So let's revisit and compare my reviews of the 2022 and 23 shows. This year, I have picked the standout performances as being Gasoline, Girls, Cherry Bomb, Yours, Priority, Last Seen, The First Snow, Kick It, and Mmm. Last year, I said the best performers... We're also Kai, Espa, but for Black Mamba. NCT 127 again, for Vampire. Wendy, with Like Water. Kai, also with Um mm, last year. Ki and Taeyeon's collab, hate that. A bunch of different pairings. I just put those all in one category before. This time I spread it out though. Minho with Heartbreak and Super Junior with The Crown and Burn the Floor. So still, Aespa, NCT, and Kai in my favorite performances list. I promise you I did not look at my 2022 favorites lists again until after finalizing my new ones for an interesting blind test of sorts, comparing and contrasting. Similarly, I did not look before making the list at my previous list for Best Trust. This year I'm picking Espa, Kai, Red Velvet, Ki, and Boa. Before I said Espa, Red Velvet, Boa, Taeyeon, and TVXQ. To explain for a second my best dress this year, Boa really brought that retro but also modern vibe that fits both her song and just her current musical era well. Espa had a very cool variety, like I said. Dark dramatic outfits, cute preppy stuff, and then the Santa girl dresses. Not to mention their pretty dresses for solo numbers. Red Velvet rocked super cute outfits that were just very thematically bringing to life their songs full of whimsy. Kai looked just stunning in that lace and preppy formal wear. And then Key with all the glitter, the sparkly embellished look, really brought his gasoline music video story to life. I said the cons of both last year and the year before that's New Year's Eve shows were the lack of boa appreciation. Glad they fixed that. Moments of obvious lip syncing weird, awkward transitions, and being anticlimactic, missed opportunities for a big reveal. So I guess I've had the same concerns every year. Again, I didn't revisit these concerns until making my new list. What I said were pros in the past, were Kai being in his element, so much NCT and Taon biased excitement, new collaborations, new renditions of songs, the fashion, the Hope from Kwanya video. So a lot of the pros and cons have stayed pretty consistent. I also previously mentioned the easter eggs in the set designs regarding the SMCU, which in a way is also relevant here. We'll talk about the connections to the forum in the company's greater message again at the end of the show. Looking back at previous set lists, it's interesting that some of these songs, they have performed before. They did not just totally make sure to give a bunch of not yet performed on New Year's Eve songs their due. They went back to a lot from last year. Next Level Again, Got The Beat Song, Bo Is Better, Zoo, Kai's Mmm, NCT With Universe, Sticker, Queendom, Hot Sauce, quite a few repeats. Yet both times, they really haven't given much love to B-sides, although last time they did have Red Velvet perform Pose, but that was pretty much it. Another interesting thing to look at with the setlist from last year versus this year are how some of the artists got more stages and some got fewer. I kept track and took notes both years about this. This year definitely gave a lot more prominence to EXO members. No surprise, because more of them are back from the military and stuff. Hyo actually got less stage time than last year. Red Velvet got more this year. Shiny members as a group haven't done anything together. And Solo, they got a bit less. Key had two last year, only one this year. Onu had two stages last time, only one this time. Minho had one both times. With Red Velvet members, Wendy's had a stage one per year as a soloist. Seulgi got two this year, none last time. And Joy got one last time, but none this time. So it's almost like they gave Seulgi a bonus at the expense of Joy. Wavy got a lot of time this year, and pretty much none last time. And the TVXQ amount of stage time this year was much longer, combining the solo time for Max Chainman and the TVXQ as a group time. So overall, the acts, for the most part, stayed pretty consistent in how much airtime they got. And the most interesting, to me, was just the big boost in time for TVXQ and NCT Dream, as well as more just EXO presence throughout the show, and the switch off from Red Velvet letting Wendy and Joy Shang solo to more so Wendy and Seulgi. It also seems like the DJs are a big part of the promo for this show every year. Then they play kind of a relatively in-the-back, minimal role. I know that's kind of the whole thing with a DJ. They're in the back, just sort of there, but quietly there. I was still kind of surprised how little I saw the DJs, because they really won the teaser content. The rock star looks were just everything. They really just model material with those promo pics. And then Raiden came out with the guitar for yours. But besides that, I really didn't see much of the DJs. They were a bigger part of the promo than the actual show would have you think. Okay, now I have to talk about this forum because I have so many thoughts about it. So here's what they said, what went down, and then my take on it. The pre-show Sustainability Forum talked about this company's new initiative to encourage tree planting and other eco-friendly hobbies, incorporating them into your itinerary on family vacations with friends, hanging out, whatever. Make it a fun, normalized part of your life to do this kind of thing ceo sumian lee actually really just laid on the emotional persuasion thick talking about how he planted rose trees because roses are his mom's favorite flower and the family planted rose trees together and all these sweet wholesome memories they laid it on thick a video showed some uh, SM Entertainment artists talking about the company's initiatives, like Gemin from NCT talking about how the NCT Dream album, Glitch Mode, was a first for the company, made a biodegradable material, and FSC approved, for a stewardship council. Then Sulgi talked about the ways that art can pay tribute to the greater world and vice versa, as viewers watched beautiful nature scenes, garden scenes, from the Feel My Rhythm video. The ability to show people nature and art combining was then emphasized with talking about a sense of obligation in community, joined together for a greater cause. As Super Junior's e talked about the Beyond Live streaming platform, and then Kangta talked about SMR's contributions the past few years to the most vulnerable during the pandemic. After this video, where various SM artists described the missions of the company, basically, Su Min Lee outlined his goals in a speech. He talked about the need to join the campaign for meeting the UN's global goals, getting to net zero carbon emissions, finding a way to reconnect with and live in harmony with nature, stop destroying it, advocate for reforestation, and other eco-friendly initiatives. He talked about this ideal utopia in the future we could have if we learn the vast benefits of working in community for a greater cause. And he talked about what better way to learn how to work together, how to form solidarity in groups, and have big, large-scale action than inspiring fandoms because fandoms are a force to be reckoned with. So if we can get those people to turn their passion, their enthusiasm, their networking ability, their organizational group project strategies towards this greater goal, we can really be a force for good and merge our worlds with other fandoms and just realize how interconnected our fates are. One professor later went off of that thought by saying it is much easier to take action if you can put a face to the future. So if you think about your grandkids, for example, then suddenly it feels more important and urgent to take care of the earth they will inhabit. You can visualize the world you want for them. And in line with their slogan, be humble, be kind, be the love, we need to make sure the people whose faces we put on the future that motivate us to make the future better are just each other's. Do this for each other. Some moments that stood out to me during his speech, one was just recalling in the 90s when H.O.T. debuted and SM Entertainment only had, he said, about seven employees which is just an interesting throwback to think about compared to who they've become. It also stood out to me that he mentioned supposedly green initiatives that the Middle East is planning, and that is just interesting because he made many a voyage, many a conversation with political figures in the Middle East last year, and now he's citing their confirmed commitment to the same goals. We'll see if that happens, but it was interesting he brought that up given the context of his past year of travel, his big plans for the Middle East, and SM Entertainment's footprint there. I also noted that he said, quote, can a song change one's life? In the same way, one tree can change the world. He later would say a similar sentiment on a panel about how all it takes to move someone is one song, one piece of pop culture, don't underestimate pop culture. Do that at your own peril because it can change minds and inspire people, get people energized, mobilized towards something. All it takes is that one piece of music. And his thesis is, hey, SM Entertainment artist can be that one source of inspiration, motivation, etc. The next speech came from two different professors called Sustainable Human Society and K. Future. They praise South Korea for being uniquely situated to be a model for the rest of the world, which we'll get back to in a second. They really are. But they also talked about the ways K-culture can be turned into a form of soft power that helps shape the world and guide it in the right direction. They talked about a K future where Korean ideals of collectivism and looking out for your fellow human become a norm more globally, but how individuals can also embrace autonomy within the collective. Those aren't mutually exclusive. They also said there should be a three step plan one, people with high influence pitch ideas, two, the general public identifies in practical terms what they want, three, Groups one and two team up and work together to find a middle ground. They cited an interesting Korean proverb quote, Even if the sky collapses, there is a hole to escape out of. Unquote. That sense that not all hope is lost, so let's act now came through with the next speech, too, from an eco science professor. He cited the vast amount of people who have died of COVID so far and said, gratefully, vaccine development has sped up. So it used to be so much longer, but now we're talking maybe even months instead of years. 11-ish months. So the increased speed of vaccine development is a praiseworthy scientific feat. However, he also cautioned against viewing a vaccine as the cure-all. Because in the meantime, you could still have a million people die between the time a pandemic starts and that vaccine is developed. So we need to still work on prevention of the outbreak in the first place. He cited the work of David Attenborough, Jane Goodall, other leaders in this space who talk about how we underappreciate how much protecting nature protects humans. And he noted how the increased risk of disease and the spread of brand new diseases that previously did not enter the human population is because of ecological devastation. Ecological destruction lets more diseases run rampant. So protecting nature does protect ourselves. He proposes using the term eco-vaccine, and we need a cultural eco-vaccine to make the world a better place, basically. He seemed to be in line with what the previous professor said when they said this quote that I think sums it all up. Quote, Hallyu is built on excellent storytelling, unquote. And they're right. The appeal of K-culture worldwide, the crux of the Hallyu wave, is excellent storytelling. It's what gets people to feel something, triggers your feelings, your thoughts, a perspective shift, ideas. It gets people thinking and feeling. It's very human. It's very interesting, engaging. It gets you to talk about something in a group with the fandom. Hallyu is a way to get people to participate in this thing called human existence and subcultures. So that could certainly be a vehicle to spread a more targeted message to. That was their ultimate thesis. He also said, interestingly, there have been three main turns that have just changed the course of everything. Linguistic turn, the cultural turn, and now what some say is a technological term, an informational turn, etc. Different versions, but basically saying, hey, we can make a huge impact. Don't underestimate the potential here. Lastly came a panel discussion with Suho from EXO next to Mian Lee and this biodiversity professor, Professor Cho Jae Chun. Okay, nerdler, but I'm just saying it's very cool that this professor studied under Professor Edward Wilson, who wrote The Creation, which is an interesting, very powerful book that basically advocates an idea for how to merge science and religion for this one cause. Like, have the scientific and religious worlds get on the same page and find common ground and mobilize the world, basically. Prove that religion and scientific beliefs are not at odds at all. The wildest, most interesting quote that I will be thinking about forever that he said was, quote, I think K-pop can achieve what religion failed to, unquote. Really taken out of context, that is something else. Lee soo cited an interesting book, too, The Man Who Planted Trees, which is about this guy who, even amid war or other issues, was determined and still planted 100 acorns a day until it all added up to this big restoring of the land, basically. The moral of that book is basically, little actions add up, you can make a difference. Honestly, this part of the evening was the part that left me the most, hmm, like the most questioning, eyebrow-raising, pie-in-the-sky kind of vibe was towards this part of the evening, because it just felt more dramatized, because Suho said quite the quote. Basically along the lines of, I'm not a guardian of EXO today, I'm approaching you as just a guardian of the earth. It was very cinematic. The movie poster line just wrote itself. And then of course there was a quote about K-pop doing what religion couldn't, which I get what he's saying, but out of context it's kind of funny. Just astronomical. And then there is the fact that same professor said he wants to pitch this idea for North Korean reunification and then a reforestation of the area and he's working on a project now, apparently, involving replanting in the DMZ. We don't have time to get into the politics of all this, but that was a fascinating kernel, especially when it was mentioned and then just kind of moved beyond. They did not dive into that further. That would have been interesting to ask him to unpack the practicality of. Now, I did go down quite a rabbit hole, because I'm a research nerd, about South Korea and their past, and truly, it is very fascinating. A link to my reading on my site, as always. They really just have truly been historic in their next-level reforestation project. The land was really decimated after the Korean War, and they made a conscious effort over decades to restore the land. It was considered officially almost fully restored, actually, in 2021. And South Korea really does take pride in the fact they did this, that they teamed up to do something so demonstrably impactful. A UN report from 1982 said, quote, Korea is the only developing country that has succeeded in forest rehabilitation after World War II, unquote. In the 70s, they implemented a 10-year national greening plan, they called it, which was about more than just planting, but also cracking down on illegal forest entry, logging, etc. It was not just about replanting, but preserving. In 1988, they had this joining forces ethos, and they merged the South Korean Forestry Administration with the Ministry of Agriculture and Fishing to double their impact, basically. Similarly, SM Entertainment is pitching the idea that their new climate initiative is a way to have how you and K-Culture team up with the scientific community to lead to a broader ecological movement. It truly was a fascinating pre-show decision to do this panel and these speeches, and truly I do think it was a commendable way to not just get a bunch of promo for their artists, by playing their music before the show, but really using that attention for this greater good. I think that's awesome. It was interesting. It was kind of eye-opening. It was very aspirational. It was good. I'm glad they did this. All of this being said, my qualms with this plan, I would like to unpack because I do have some concerns with their whole pitch. I have a whole separate podcast called Enthusiasts previously called How to Stand. Episodes are in the same feed as this show. Anyway, which is all about the power of fandom culture. I've done episodes about meme warfare, like for real memes affecting warfare, and how groups of people can actually mobilize and have concrete impacts on the world around them. I've done episodes about real world k-pop fandom impacts on this show as well, so I am always going to go to bat for not underestimating the power of pop culture, and the ability for it to mobilize people and causes. It is such an underrated force that really does shape our world in profound ways. It's not just some silly interest. I love that view of taking so seriously the power music especially can have. But I do think this whole talk jumped like five steps ahead. It skipped a bunch of steps. Yes, it's important to realize how you can plant the seed, no tree pun intended, and get people to start thinking about joining your eco-initiative, but the concrete steps between planting the seed and watching it blossom were not present. So this whole talk was very interesting. I'm glad they did it, but it was so low on detail. What is this company truly going to do to help the earth? They had the one example of the biodegradable albums, but for the future, they did not really say exactly what they plan to do besides just try to encourage people and use their platform to do so. But what goes after encouragement is action. What are the concrete actions? It seemed very odd to me that there was this elephant in the room that went unaddressed, which is the fact that they've gotten into NFTs, which are insanely carbon-intensive, and other environmentally damaging projects related to the metaverse, the blockchain, all of that. No shade to Espa stan Espa, but I mean, without a hint of irony, they had Espa there talking about a commitment to sustainability next to their AI alter egos who they just released NFTs of. I mean, It just felt very hypocritical to me. So the fact that they're talking about how much they are committed to environmental change for the better, while at the same time still finding ways to profit off of environmentally destructive projects, the actions and the words are not aligning here. It overall was a really interesting way to see this sort of masterclass of self-branding, of image creation. This show was very much a great PR thing for SM. Not just the forum, but then the concert, proving we've got great bops, talented artists. We have the ingredients to activate this vision of captivating the world, and then while we have your attention, promoting this greater cause. If any pop culture powerhouse exists to do that, it's us were the candidates. They did a great job showing that, and it was a great PR experiment to say, look at this great company. We're even going to be selfless and not promote our music before the show. Instead, we're just going to talk about saving the world this time instead of playing music videos, and we're going to further get people talking good about our company and how well we're saving the earth by having this handsome face of the movement here, Suho. No shade to Suho. Love Suho, but him on a panel like that just felt very a little confusing, like, what is his credential here? It was just very overt the whole time that this was all a great image, reputation, crafting masterclass. It proved why SM Entertainment is so powerful globally, because Mr. Sumian Lee has had this mentality the whole time of, I have to think globally about our company's impact, what other places in the world think of us, and how they can view us as a partner in all these different endeavors, not just in the culture context. So as a way to show, look, we're this big altruistic agency that's super profitable and successful and worth investing in and worth supporting fans and investors alike, it was just really interesting from a a business and analytical perspective that I tend to take and get nerdy about. They really did show how you can put forth a face for a company as being this certain altruistic state, whether that's true or not. Sometimes your actions contradict that, sometimes all your rhetoric is full of just words and no action, but the perception they created was impressive. I see what they're doing. Now how much they commit to it in the future in concrete ways remains to be seen but it was a very interesting night to reflect on what they want the world to think of them. Hopefully that makes sense. But on a lighter note, it was just a great night. Lots of fun and an event I look forward to tuning into every single year. Really is great PR and reminds you how many multi-talented artists reside with this company. I will have more of a write-up and the full set list compiled for you on a write-up at 17karatkpop.substack.com before you know it. So subscribe there. It'll be a free newsletter post. And stay tuned because before you know it, I will be back with more episodes and newsletter updates. So stay tuned. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show too, and I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye everybody!